All right. Hello, everybody. Let me say uh, Happy New Year again. Happy Lunar New Year. You know, our church is wonderfully diverse. And so a big portion of our church uh, would celebrate is celebrating this weekend. And and if you have an opportunity to go to one of the celebrations, I mean, there'll be one uh, tomorrow night here at uh, here at where I am at our legacy campus. But go. I went to one last week and man, they know how to I mean, they know how to celebrate. So. Uh, so anyway, I'm really glad that you're with us as we start a whole new year. And today we are continuing our series called Goat, Greatest of All Time, about Jesus living life like he lived life. Greatest live, live, or not live. I'll come up with a better way to say that, but the best, you know, person who ever lived, right? Jesus and how to live that way to become who all that he wants us to become. And this series is not just a series. It's actually a 45 day challenge as we talk about different practices of Jesus and putting those practices into practice to become more like him. And each week, as we're going to see today, there's going to be a challenge to do during that week. And I'm confident that if we show up each week, hear about what we're talking about, put it into practice, that we will be significantly different people with some new habits or some strengthened habits that will shape us uh, for years to come. And so today... Our habit or our practice, our discipline that we're talking about is one that is very essential, foundational to being a Jesus follower. And it is, of all the practices we'll talk about, I believe this one is also the most significant. And yet, for us, for different reasons, I think kind of difficult to do. So what the one we're talking about today is submission, surrender, choosing to set self aside, not be self-directed, so that we can follow Jesus and submit to him and, and in line with, in, in his will, in his word. And I say that's difficult because as Americans, we're good at a lot of things like hamburgers. We we're the best hamburger people in the world. Um, spending money. We're the best consumers in the world. We do. We're great at spending money. Um, we're great at basketball. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of things like, like you'd say Americans are great at. But Americans are not the best submitters. I mean, other cultures really are better, a lot of them. You know, there are a lot of cultures around the world that are more communal, less individualistic. And so their value is what's best for the community, what's best for everybody. But America, we're very individualistic, very self-deterministic. I mean, that's how we started as a country, you know, rebelling because we wanted to be self-determining. And that kind of sticks. And so that means there's something in all of us. That it, like if you tell me to do something, if you try to tell me what to do, there's a big part of me that even if I think it's good, I'm not going to do it because you're telling me to do it. It's like, I'll show you. You're not you're not the boss of me. Right. So there's like this. You do you and I'll do me. You know, you you just don't try to tell me what to do. You just do you and I'll do me. And and therefore we like stories like the one I'm about to tell you. Um, this is a, a story of uh, our family. You know, we have two boys, uh, Colin and Caleb, and they both live in the mountains. Um, Colin in Colorado, Caleb in Wyoming. And the reason they live in the mountains, a big part of that is because growing up, we would go skiing a good bit and go in the mountains in the summer, too, and mountain bike. And they love to do that and they like to climb. And um, But we did that um, because Christy's we like it, but also Christy's sister lives in the mountains and we had all these hookups with skiing and rentals and lift tickets. So it was actually the cheapest vacation we could do. We didn't have much money. And 
which is crazy to think that skiing would be like that, but it was for us. And so it was great, right? So they, they grew up wanting to live in the mountains. And this is just a little tip for those of you who are parents and young parents. If you want your kids to like live in Dallas when they're young, when they're adults, don't go to places like that. Instead, vacation in places like Pittsburgh and Cleveland. And they'll think, man, Dallas is awesome. I don't ever want to leave Dallas. But just a tip. You won't get that everywhere. But, you know, you get that here. But that's not what the story is about. So the story is about when they learned how to ski. So uh, Caleb was five. Colin was eight. Okay, when we first started skiing as a family. And the first day, we, so the way we set it up is the first couple days, uh, the boys would be in lessons. Because I think that's important to learn from people who actually know what they're doing. And so the first day, they did their lessons. It was awesome. Everything went great. Second day, we're right outside the little area where the lessons are. Christy and I are still getting ready. And the boys beg us, please, Mom, do you just let us check in ourselves. We know where it is. We'll do great. And you can check on, it all, check on us. All. So, yeah, great. So uh, there wasn't that much time. You know, we were still we were getting ready. But we're just 50 feet away. So we're like, yeah, okay, that's no problem. So... They go to check themselves in. Now the lift area, or the, I mean the, the area where the lessons are, the little bunny trail ride, a little bitty gondola kind of thing, just for the bunny lift is right there. But then down the hill a little bit is the main lift that goes all the way to the top. To get that picture, right? So we, we go to, we check on Colin first. He was eight, the oldest one. And he's very happily with his group and they're about to go up the little bunny hill and all that, so that's cool. And then we go look for Caleb and his group. But guess what? No Caleb. Couldn't find Caleb anywhere. He wasn't in any group. He never checked in. And so then we panic, right? Where is he? Where'd he go? Did somebody get him? You know, what's going on, right? Just all the panic you have as a parent. And then we thought, you know, we probably should go and look and see if he got on the big lift. And so I ski down to the big lift. And the lifty, the lift ticket, I mean, the lift operator is there. And... You know, he's one of those guys, you know, kind of a dude, you know. And so I thought, you know, he's like, hey, if, you know, I described Caleb. Have you seen a little guy? And he's like, yeah, man, I saw a guy, little dude, just like that. And, uh, and I told him, man, you're too little. Like, you got to have an adult. Like, you're too young. Like, you can't, you can't go on this lift without an adult. And he went away. And I was like, well, do you know where he went? No, I don't know where he went. And so then I look up the hill and I see him. He's about 100 yards up the slope. With his skis on the back, walking up. Because if they're not going to let him ride the lift, he's just going to walk up and ski down. You know, it's just the way it is, little five-year-old mind, and that's kind of his personality. So I yell at him, Caleb, get over here, you know, and he heard me. He comes down and, uh, you know, skis down to me, and I'm, you know, pretty agitated. And I, you know, just say, Caleb, what are you thinking, all that? And then he was so shocked, I was upset. And his little five-year-old logic, he just looked at me, and he's like, I learned how to ski yesterday. I don't know. I don't need to be in lessons anymore. And I don't want to ski like they're telling me. I just want to ski. Now, I, we got him in lessons and all that, right? And, but part of me was just so angry, like so frustrated. But the other part of me was really pretty proud. You know, it's like, you go, Caleb. You don't need no stinking lesson. You do you. You do it exactly the way you want to do it. And don't like there's because there's this part of me that is that way. And I kind of, you know, frustrated, admired at the same time, because as Americans, that kind of, and, and there's some good stuff there, initiative and confidence and all that, that, right? But the idea that, hey, I'd rather just do it my way than listen to people who actually know what they're doing, it's really not best. 
is really not that wise, not only in skiing, but in life. And that's really the discipline we're talking about today, this daily discipline of surrender, this daily discipline of submitting. And like I said, as Americans, when we come into Christianity, we bring our self-determination and our individual independence with us. And it's easy to turn Christianity on its head when we, if you are thinking about becoming a Christian or you have become a Christian. And even if you hear about following Christ, when we become a Christian, it's really easy as Americans to kind of think, okay, I'm going to do my thing and God's going to help me do my thing. That's, that's what it is. That's what this is. So even when we hear following Christ, yeah, I'm going to follow Christ and let's say Christ is here. So, okay, I'm going to follow Christ. So I'm here. I go Christ. Come on, Jesus. Let's go. And you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. He doesn't roll that way. Following Christ means we give up our way and we go with him into our future. Realizing that he knows way better than we do how to do life. And he has light and wisdom and light, like that if we follow him and and that's why I mean the basic thing we looked at this last week. Jesus's invitation to follow and be a follower. He said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, my disciple, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Literally, that give up your own way, if you're going to is to say no to yourself, to deny yourself. Like I said, we're just not very good at that. We we're used to doing what ourself wants to do. And we think that's the best way to live. And Jesus is saying, well, actually, if you're going to follow me, you've got to say no to yourself. Take up your cross. Now, these were people on the way to execution. If you saw a person 2,000 years ago with a cross, they'd given up all their independence. They had no independence left. They had no self-will left. Like they were, and that's the picture. It's a pretty strong picture. And then follow me into the future. And today we're going to talk about what that looks like and why it's wise. Because some of you are like, yeah, I don't want to do that. You know, I, I just want to do what I want to do. I want to, you know, I have a friend and I, I love him. He, he's not a Christian, but his motto is, this is his life motto. I don't know what I want to do, but I know I want to do whatever I want to do. That's his life motto. And if you, you know, I have asked, hey, how's that working for you? You know, well, the Dr. Phil question. He's like, well, could be better, right? Because there is a better way to live in light of God's wisdom and his will and we find freedom actually by submission. And that sounds crazy, but that's what we're going to talk about. And for others of you here, that may not sound crazy. You may say, I've already done that. I know that. You know, this is, I know man, you tell him, Jeff, but because I know like I'm I, I, that's my life. I'm all about following Jesus fully. And I, you know, submitting and I, I got it. But I want if, if that's where you're coming from, I want you to just tap the brakes. Because this isn't natural for any of us. And every one of us, there, there's, there is only one fully devoted person, human being that's ever existed to God. And it's not you. And it's not me. His name is Jesus. He's the goat. The rest of us, you know, trying, right? Partial. And, and all of us, and we're going to get to this, and I want you to be open to this. Even start asking God about this now. All of us have multiple, but we're just going to at least think about one area of life where we know like, this is what God says in his, in his word, all that. This is what would be best, but I'm not doing that. Or we're holding back from full obedience. All of us have areas like that. And this will be an opportunity just to kind of look at that. So just be open to that as we go through it. As we look at what Jesus said 
about this discipline of daily. Because notice he said, take up your cross daily, this discipline of daily surrender, daily submission. Jesus taught it and he modeled it. Let's talk about taught it first. One of his most significant, or actually his most significant teaching time we have in the Bible is called the Sermon on the Mount. We call it that. He didn't call it that. But just because he's on a mountain and it was a sermon. But it was a sermon on the mount where he, it's just incredible. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Read it. It's amazing. But here's how he ends the message. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Some of you grew up in church and you've heard this. There's even a song. Remember? Wise man built his house upon the rock. House upon the rock. House upon the rock. I'm the only one singing. Wise man built his house upon the right. Right in. Uh, and some of you are thinking, I'm so glad I didn't grow up in church. But anyway, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock, a solid life. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, streams rose, winds blew, same circumstances, different results. Beat against the house and it fell with a great crash, right? What's wisdom? It's not hearing the words of Jesus. It's not knowing the Bible. Both of these people have the same data. They both heard the words of Jesus, right? The difference is wise people put the words of Jesus into practice. They submit. They say, I'm not going to just do what I want to do, what feels right to me, and ask God to bless it. I'm going to put his word into practice. I'm going to live in the light of his word and submit, even if I don't like it, even if I don't understand it, even if it's like, oh, it's just, I don't know why it's a big deal. I'm going to still trust that he knows more than I do. I'm going to put his words into practice. And Jesus said, that's how you build a solid life. That's how you build a life that stands. That's how you build a great life. Which means spiritual maturity and building a great life is not just about knowing the Bible. There's a lot of people who know the Bible really well and they're not wise. And there's a lot of people who don't know much of the Bible, but they're really wise. And the difference is wise people put what they know into practice. They submit. Because here's the wonderful news. This isn't arbitrary. It's not like God just wants you to submit because he's insecure and it makes him feel better. The reason he does is because he's our creator. He knows how our world works. He doesn't want us to be in the dark. He doesn't want to have to le- us have to learn how to do life, money, marriage, family, singleness, all that the hard way. He wants us to... He wants us to flourish in life, and therefore he gave us direction. He gave us a light. He gave us his wisdom. It's Another way you can say it is he gave, like, gave us a map. He gave us navigation. Like, um, this was years ago, um, like, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago or something like that, before Google Maps, before there was navigation and GPS on your phone, in cars and all that. Like, this was... And some of you don't know, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. And, and, you, and, and we use the, we actually had to use these things called maps, you know, that people hang on walls. <clears throat> but we would print them out <clears throat> and have them in our car. Or had a maps go, remember that? So we have maps go, right? <clears throat> that was amazing, right? We thought, man, maps go. That's never going to get better than maps go, right? And then MapQuest, remember when that happened? And internet, you know, happen and you print out and they give you turn by turn directions and you print out the map. And you're like, oh, man, it's never going to get better than that. So this was in that era. OK, so I I fly to Little Rock, Arkansas, and we're going from there to this campground or this camp thing, Christian camp out in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas. 
and to speak to a group of people who start churches. We call them church planters. And so I'm there to go speak to this group. And it was with a sister church of ours. It's, uh, some of you are from Little Rock Fellowship Bible Church, Little Rock. Robert, this guy named Robert was the pastor then. So he picks me up at the airport. And we're going to go out in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas from Little Rock. And he said, Jeff, I forgot. I forgot. I printed out the maps, map quest, but I forgot them. But I think I can get there. I've been there a couple times. I think I can do it. Well, you know how well that went. So we start out, right, trying to find this place. It's supposed to take about an hour to get there. And after about two hours and ten minutes, realize we're really, we have no idea where we are. And so we, we're a little two-lane road, and we come up to this gas station that is a very old, dilapidated, probably nothing works kind of gas station. And out front was this guy who was just as dilapidated and an older guy, just... But you could tell life had been tough for him. And, uh, and he's, I, I think I remember this right. Um, but uh, because it's kind of remarkable, he was chewing tobacco and smoking at the same time. <laughs> Which both are probably not great habits, but you got it. There's something to admire in that anyway, you know. And, and so, I, so he's sitting out front doing, you know, doing his thing. And we, you know, get out of the car and say, hey, you know, and, he, and Robert said, hey, we're, you just came from Little Rock. We're looking for this place, this town, and there's a camp there. Do you happen to know where that is? Because we're, you know, looking for it and need some help. And he's like, yeah, I know where that is, but first I got a question for you. You know, he, got, <clears throat> he said, so uh, if you wanted to go there and you came from Little Rock, why'd you come here? Because <laughs> if you wanted to go there, you should have never come here. Now, there's a sermon in that. I mean, right? You think we're here, and then we're in life, we're here. How did that happen, right? But that's not the point of this sermon. So he's like, but I'll tell you. And then he's, and he had repeated it, actually. He said, I'll tell you, but again, if you wanted to go there, you should have never come here. Right? Yeah, I get it. I, you know, so, so then he starts. And here's how the directions go. There's something like this. He's, he goes, well, what you want to do is you want to go back the way you came, and you're going to drive pretty long ways. And you'll pass a cemetery. You just keep going. And then you're going to get to a barn that's about half torn down. And after that barn's a road. Don't take it. But the next road you want to take and you want to go right. And then you go down that road for a while and you go through a little town. And you just go right through it. And then you'll go to another little town and there's a stop sign. Go straight. Just go right through it. But the next road you want to go left. Is that, and, and I could tell Robert's eyes were already glazed over. He wasn't listening. I started to crack up. I, I, uncontrolled. I had to just go to the car. And now we eventually, we got better directions down the road. We eventually got there. But it would have been a lot better. The point of this whole long thing is not about, I'm going to try to smoke and chew at the same time. That's not the point of this illustration. The point of the illustration is, life's a lot better with GPS. I mean, the world we have now is way, like Google Maps, it's a good thing. We take it for granted, but a good thing. And God decided not to leave us in the dark, but to reveal his will to us. And it's not arbitrary. This is an act of his goodness to us. Like in Psalm 119, it says that his word is a light to our path. And you and I can blow it off and just say, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care about that. I'm just going to, you know, I don't, it's confining. I don't want to do it. And, it, and Jesus just say, well, you can do that. It's just stupid. Or you can be wise enough to build your life in, 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 around and in, in submit to God's word. And we're going to talk about it as a daily decision and a daily thing. And if you do, life will be way better. In fact, what you'll find is freedom. Another time, that's what Jesus said. 
in John 8, he said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. So again, people who really, you know, everybody says, I follow Jesus, I'm a Christian. Well, people who really follow Jesus, he says, are people who hold to his teaching. Meaning, not just hear it, but hold to it. Actually do it. We build our life around him. It's, we submit. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now that is kind of, you know, for American ears, here's what he's saying. It seems crazy to American ears that you and I submit our way to freedom. That the way to get to freedom is to give up our freedom and go his way and hold to his teaching. We submit our way to freedom, which doesn't sound like freedom. It's like, wait a minute, doing what I want to do is freedom. But Jesus is saying, no, that's not actually freedom and will certainly not lead to freedom. That the only way to get to freedom is to submit your way there. Is to follow his teaching. Is a life of daily surrender. Because the Bible lets us know a dirty little secret about doing what you want to do, which feels like freedom. That it's not. That actually every one of all the time we are in control. We think we're in control, but we're not. That when we just do what we want to do, we're under control of something that's not very helpful. Romans 6, Paul talks about that. He says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So that, that you and I, if we just do what we want, we think we're doing what we want, but we're actually not. We're so easily manipulated. All we're doing is we're just giving in to sin. We're just living a self-oriented life. That's the nature of sin. We're just living a self-driven, self-directed, selfish, self-oriented life. And we're giving in to our sin nature. And sin becomes our master. It's like we're choosing, if you think about your life as a car, we're choosing, say, you know what? I'm going to let sin and my sin nature be in the driver's seat. And when we do that, guess how well that goes? Because sin and see your sin nature and my sin nature is not going to drive you. It's not going to drive me to a good destination. And what will happen is we'll either lead to a soft landing or a hard landing. We're talking about that a lot in economy, right? And inflation. Is the Fed going to get us to a soft landing or a hard landing? Today, you know, the stock market went up a few hundred points because maybe it's going to be a soft landing. Like everybody's thinking about that. Tomorrow, you know, Monday, it'll feel like a hard landing. It'll go down. Everybody's thinking about hard landing, soft landing. Well, sin will drive you either a soft landing or a hard landing. Soft landing is something like this. A self-directed life, a soft landing, it's not necessarily a terrible life. It's just a shallow one. A self-driven, self-directed life where you just say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put self in the driver's seat. I'm just going to do what feels right to me. You get to the end of it. And this is like the best case scenario, the softest landing. And, and, it's, and, and you may have a lot of stuff and a lot of, but you'll get to the end of your life and you, you'll have like really nothing to show for your life. Your relationship shallow, your impact shallow, just not much of a life. That's the best case scenario. The other option is a hard landing. And some of you know about hard landings with a self-willed life. 
Because some of you are trying to pick up the pieces. You burned through a marriage or two. Your family is torn apart. You have a wake of broken relationships in your past. Maybe you're in rehab or you know you need to be there. You're trying to work through addiction. Or maybe it's a financial mess and you're in. And it's just, you know, you, you've just, you just haven't been wise in that area of life. You've done what you wanted to do and now you're, you're in trouble. I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, ways, just hard crashes. And some of you are right there. And I admire you for being here. Because I suspect the reason you're here is because you want Jesus to help you get to a better place. And you know what? Jesus is good at that. And in this series, as we're talking about getting on path, he is a redeemer. He is a restorer. There's no mess he can't help you get out of. And actually, it becomes a better part of your story. So you should have hope if you choose to get on path. And I'm proud of you for being here. And being on path. But I want to talk for the, to those of you. And I hope you'll listen. To those of you who are young. To those of you who are teenagers. Those of you who are kids. If you're in one of these rooms. Or you're watching online. Because you have your whole life in front of you. And we live in a self-directed culture. And, and, and we have our own sin nature. And Satan and everything. Will tell us that freedom is found in doing whatever we want. And you do you, and you do what feels great, and all, and that's freedom. And there's a lot of people in this room who've lived long enough to learn the hard way, that's not freedom. And it certainly doesn't lead to freedom. And don't believe that lie. Choose to get on path. Young, like right now, choose to get on path, and stay on path as best you can, and you become your own best friend. And you will build a life that you'll... It will be joyful and peaceful, not regretful and anxiety producing. I mean, just it, in, in your, you can choose to do that and he will help you do that. Because I'm telling you, it'd be really, it'd be so good if you could look back when you're down the trail and say, you know what? I've never, um, I've never woken up in bed next to a stranger. Never experienced that. I've never, you know, because the Bible says that sex is not just a body connection, but a soul connection. And that's why it's reserved for marriage. And it's a powerful thing in marriage. But outside of that, it's powerfully destructive. And to say, you know, I've just never, just never had my soul ripped apart like that. Never have. I mean, to be able to say, man, I, I was able to cruise into marriage. If you get married, you don't have to. But if you, or, or wait, that's a whole other sermon. But, um. But, you know, to cruise in a marriage and be able to, to stand next to your other person on the other side and sexually pure. I mean, that would be amazing. I mean, it would actually be a really good thing to be able to be at a place and look back in life and say, you know what? I've never, I've managed money the way God says. You live on less than you make. You set aside some to save. You set aside, you know, percentage to give. And, and man, money's, I mean, I just have never gotten into significant money trouble. I don't have a lot of anxiety in that area of life. In fact, I, I have a lot of joy and peace in that area, I mean, of life. And that'd be a good thing. It'd be a good thing to be able to say, you know, I've never, I've never been in rehab. I wonder what that's like. Or to, to say, man, I, I've never been drunk. Or I don't know what it's like to be on drugs. I, I've just never, I, or I've, I don't really know much about what porn is. I mean, that'd be awesome, right? To be able to say that or to be able to say, you know, I don't have a lot of broken relationships in my life. I mean, you know, I, there, you can keep going, right, with examples here. But 
But you have the opportunity to get on path early, and I hope you will. And to choose to be a submitter, and you will, I promise you, you'll become your own best friend. And people will think you're nuts. But you're the one that's wise. And eventually time will show that, and, but it's your choice. And, and, you're, and you're hearing from somebody who did, and I'm very thankful that God got a hold of my life young. I was 12, 13 years old when I got really serious about following Jesus. And I've, I mean, don't, I, I'm not perfect and I've not stayed on path and every, but, but still, I, getting on path that early and every time I've stayed on path, I'm grateful for. And there's a lot of things I haven't experienced that I would have experienced and I'm grateful for that. I mean, I've been counseling right now with some, you know, how I do relationships and marriage and some family things because there's some ways that I need to learn how to do better. So don't hear me saying I, I've got it all done and I've always been on path and done, you know, right? But, but I am so grateful. But you're, the world and Satan and your own flesh will make, will get, make you stupid if you let it. And I'll give you an illustration of how that happened in my life just, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And this is so silly and so stupid and so embarrassing, I never thought I'd share it. And some of you are like, man, I'm going to go to Preston with that guy. Jeez, you know, he's, he's got to get it together. But it's just, it's just what it is. Like, it's just what happened. Okay, it's just a dumb story. And I got stupid. So here it is. So I was driving down the road to work, to church. And from home to work. And uh, pushing, you know, the radio stations. And the song, the Kid Rock song about... I'm singing Sweet Home Alabama all summer long. You know, I was smoking different things. We were trying funky things, whatever it was. I'll, I'll, you know, there. And it's just about his party life when he was in high school and, you know, young. You know, young. And, um, and, you know, whatever you do, right? All this stuff, you know. And, and I'm driving down the road and I'm, and it's just my flesh, Satan, I don't know. But it's just, I was feeling regret. Because it was really in high school, my freshman year in high school, where I stepped away from a lot of those influences in my life. And I could have gone down that trail because my friends did in a really big way. And I, I didn't. And I lost a lot of those friends and it was a little painful. And I, but, but my mind started going a really dumb place. And that is, you know, I wish I would have started following Jesus after I got to experience some of that. Because I never experienced any of that. I don't know what it's like to, you know, party like that. And, you know, I mean, it's, and, uh, and it was, so I mean, in, in my mind, in a bad way, started going there, imagining what that would be like. And then behind me, I was interrupted. I was pulled out of that stupidity with flashing lights behind me. The police, I got pulled over. And I guess I started driving fast thinking about this. And so I, the, the policeman comes up and I said, um, you know what? He, he wanted my license. You know, I was like, hey, yeah, here it is. And I said, hey, look, I just got really stupid. You do whatever you need to do. Because you're, 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 I just got really stupid. And he's looking at me like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, but he didn't say anything. He just went, I did get a ticket. But, um, but really? And it was, I mean, I was able to kind of laugh about it on the, you know, just as I'm talking with God. I said, God, you know, that's so dumb. Thank you for, thank you for the gift of, of, of being able to follow you early in life. And avoid a whole lot of stupidity and a whole lot of pain. And sorry, I just got really dumb. It's totally your choice. 
But what, but a Jesus follower makes a commitment to say, I'm going to make a daily decision to submit. Now, Jesus not only taught that, he modeled it, which is pretty crazy to think about because he's God. But he modeled submission because the Bible says that Jesus is God and God is three in one. It's confusing, the Trinity. But he's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son of God. When he was here, he submitted to the Father. And he talked about that a lot. I'm here to do the will of the Father, not my own will. Before he went to the cross, he goes and he prays and he says, God, if there's any other way, I don't want to do this. I don't want to. Like his self did not want to do that. The suffering of the cross. He did not want to do that. If there's any other way, he says it, prays it twice. If there's any other way. But if not, it's not about my will. I'm here to submit to your will. Your will be done. And he went to the cross. When Jesus is tempted in the desert by Satan, three times he's tempted. And each time he goes to the Bible. Because he knew it, but also put it into practice. And, he, and he's like, you know, Satan... That would feel really good, good right now. I, there's a part of me that wants to do that. That's the nature of temptation. But I'm not going to because I'm a submitter. And here's what God says. And it's really clear. And even though right now it's a little confusing, there's a part of me that that's the nature of temptation. The Bible says he really was tempted. But I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go with what God's said. I mean, he wrote it, but, it, but, he, but he went with what God said. And that's the discipline we're talking about. And when we do, not just if we're young, wherever, however old we are, again, we become our own best friend. And that discipline over time of submitting to the will of God and realizing freedom is found within the boundaries of the will of God that's revealed in the word of God and being in the Bible and, and, and to say, God, speak into my life. And I want to obey that. Like, I want to put this into practice. Help me be wise. Help me. God, today I submit to you. If you do that over a period of time, you will become more like Jesus. You will become wiser. Your life will get better. So let's get practical with it. What does it mean for us to, to daily submit, to daily surrender? Because that's what Jesus said. You know, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. So what does that mean every day? And I, and I would say, let's do it. Let's take that literally. Every day. Start your day. With a simple prayer. Even if you haven't gotten out of bed yet. Just simple prayer. God, today, I submit to you. I don't want to just do what I want to do. I want to follow you. God, give me the wisdom to put your truth into practice. God, I give you, me, today. I want to follow you today. I want to submit to you today. I surrender my life, all of it, to you today. And throughout my day, God, just speak into my heart, speak into my life, and I want to follow you. I want to obey. God, today, I submit to you. I want to be a follower today. And that sets the tone for the whole day. Bonus is when we take some time, and I would encourage you, this is part of the discipline, is to take time in the Bible to be with God. I mean, what you're doing right now is cool. Coming corporately and hearing from God and putting that into practice, that's part of the deal. But I'd also encourage you during the week, whether it's every day or one day or whatever, to get some time. And, and I think one way to make that really helpful is have a place in time. Make an appointment with God. Have a chair. Have a couch. Have something. Your desk. And you say, that's my place. That's where I spend with God. 
and take a little bit of time. And the, our app, the Chase Oaks app, has always, right now there's more help on these disciplines, but always has help on how to spend time in the Bible. And uh, if you want to do that, or you can do it yourself, or your own devotional, or the Bible app, there's all kinds of help out there now. And just take a little bit of time, read a chapter, read some verses, and say, God, would you speak to me today? I want to, I want to not just know this, but put this into practice. If you do that day after day after day, or week after week after week, you will become a better, you will become a different person. You'll become more like Jesus. And it can be hard to know, though, because sometimes you look in the Bible and you're like, yeah, I don't know what that is. So don't start in Leviticus or whatever. Start in the book of John or go on the app and it'll help you through it. Uh, but on the, on the app in this series is some help. So I have a conversation with a pastor friend called Conway, named Conway Edwards. And just saying, hey, what does it mean? What does the life of submission look like? And how do you get something out of the Bible when you go to it? And you'll, it's a Wings with Jeff conversation. It's on the app. And, uh, and it's, incre- it's a great conversation. Super helpful. And then there's a little thing, too, where he said, hey, if you're going to spend a few minutes with God, here's what I would suggest you do. If you're going to spend time in the Bible like we've talked about and you want to get something out of it, here's what I do. And it's just super helpful. So that's on there. But then I want to get to the really specific challenge of this week. Okay. And this is challenging. But I want you to ask God, and some of you know it already, but I want you to ask God this week, God, what area of my life, because really there's a lot of them, but what area of my life am I not fully submitting? Like, it's kind of like, I kind of know what you say in the Bible and I know the light that's there and I'm just not, I'm kind of blowing it off. I'm, I'm not doing that as fully as I should because maybe I just think it's not that big a deal or I don't really want to do that or that's uncomfortable or whatever, but isolate that and then actually do it. Like stop holding back. Just do it. Obey. Submit. And begin to do that and see what happens. So let me give some examples. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's in a relationship. You know, maybe it's in the sexual area of life and you're like, yeah, I, I'm way out of bounds. And I know in this relationship, we're doing stuff we shouldn't be doing. We're not married. We're, or, you know, what you're watching or what's going and say, I don't want to do that anymore. And I, God help me to walk with you in this area of my life. Uh, maybe it's a, another kind of relational thing. Maybe there's somebody, you know, you need to forgive, but you just don't want to, you want to keep holding on to that bitterness and holding on to that hurt and hold it over those people. And you think you're winning and you're just losing. It is killing you and killing your relationships. And instead of dealing with the hurt, you just want to hold on to it. And it's not your fault you got hurt probably, but it is your fault that it, or it is your responsibility to deal with hurt. Because if you don't, you'll just end up hurting people, hurt people, hurt people. And say, so, you know, God, God, help me forgive. Help me work through that hurt. Maybe it's in the financial area of life. Martin Luther, the reformer, said the last part of a person to become like Jesus, to be sanctified was his word. But to become like Jesus is the pocketbook. That's a lagging indicator of spiritual maturity for most people. Because the Bible tells us, don't just spend all you make or more than you make. That's the American thing. But instead, live on less than you make. Set aside a part to save. Set apart the first percentage to give. And it's called tithe in the Bible. And to say, I'm going to set aside the first percentage and I'm going to give. That's, that's what runs this church. And, and some of you think, that's crazy. People do that. Yeah, they do. That's, that's our ethic. That's what Jesus taught us to do. And God blesses it. Like, you think you're winning by holding back, but you're not. And God tells you that all over the place. And you say, well, then start obeying in that area of life. Maybe that's the area of life. 
I could keep going with examples, but there's a million different of these things. Maybe it's something in the way you're doing your business or the way, I, I don't know. But let me, it's a tough challenge, but just say, okay, God, this week, help me isolate one area that I'm not really submitting very well and help me do what I know you're calling me to do. Let me get on path. And God, you help me because it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. It's a little bit scary. But if you do that, there's a blessing on the other side of that. Um, God, to his people in Isaiah, when they were really messing up, this is his heart. Just so you know, the heart of submission and, and obeying is a God who loves you, who knows what's best for you. And they were blowing it off. And here's what God said. He said, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. If only you paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, your well-being like the waves of the sea. And that's what God is saying, just looking at you and me and saying, come on, this is for your benefit. Your life could be so much more peaceful, so much more joyful, so less regretful, if he just chose to be a submitter, not just do the self-will thing. So with that, let's go to God in prayer. And I'm going to, as we bow our heads together, um, you know, prayer is just talking to God in our own words. We, and and I, I love leading us all just to talk to God um, rather than me just talking to God. So this is an opportunity. And as you think about your life and your life commitment some of you may decide to be a Jesus follower right now, to begin a relationship with God and say, God, I want to know you. I want to begin a relationship with you and just in general. Others of you, maybe you've done that and this is your opportunity just to say, God, would you speak into my life? Is what, and, and you may already have, like I'm already convicted or some, you know, I already know what it is, God. Or maybe you don't. And just say, God, if, speak into my heart, speak into my life. God, what area am I really not submitting? And, I, and I'm just hurting myself and people around me and dishonoring you. And I don't want to do any of that, God. So just, God, not only reveal it, but then help me get on path. Help me take the obedience step, the submission step. And I'm confident as we do that, that he will meet us in that, empower us, and add his blessing to it. Father, we thank you that you really do what's best for us. You have not left us in the dark. You've given us light that leads to life. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.